Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are continuing our conversation in the book of Proverbs, and we're talking about the heart of the matter. So as you get started today, answer this question. What area of your personal health do you tend to focus on? Enjoy. So we've been in this Proverbs series for the last eight weeks. Uh, how we roll is a series is done when it needs to be done. So we'll see kind of how it feels uh, after today. We'll kind of keep rolling with it. I want to read this passage to you from Proverbs 4. It goes like this. My child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. Don't lose sight of them. Let them penetrate deep into your heart, for they bring life to those who find them and healing to their whole body. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Those are some strong words right there. Avoid all perverse talk, stay away from corrupt speech, look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet, stay on the safe path, and don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. So here's how we're going to talk about Proverbs 4. We're going to cover these things. We're going to talk about what it means to be pragmatic, uh, how these things are dynamic, a life that is proactive versus being reactive, orthodoxy versus orthopraxy, everybody's favorite word. Uh, We're talking about our mouth, eyes, feet, and then I want to tell you a story about Irene. So if you go ahead and put that passage back up there. Uh, First, we need to talk about ourselves if we're going to talk about Proverbs, because here's what Proverbs is doing. Proverbs is extremely practical and extremely pragmatic because it wants to know how is your actual life working out for you. I bring this up every week as we talk about Proverbs because sometimes what happens is that the Jesus thing, the God movement in this world is confined to our minds. It's about what we think about God. It's about do we have the right Bible verses memorized or whatever tradition we're coming from. There's an assumed belief that you should have. But interestingly enough, that's like never where Jesus spent his time. When do you see Jesus talking about doctrine? He doesn't. He takes his disciples places and he shows them with their eyes, with their feet, with their hands, how you actually live in this world, how you bring about healing and change and transformation. And interestingly enough, the entire Bible is written by a minority people group who is practicing this way of God. And then what happens is we now live in the most powerful nation that this world has ever seen. 
and it's a conversation that we generally keep up here because we don't have to engage it with our hands and feet. When you are the poor and the tired and the oppressed, you engage the scriptures in a different way than when you are the most powerful people that civilization has ever seen. But Jesus lived in this oppressed kind of culture, and that's why Jesus was always trying to make a new way, a straight path, a different direction for people's lives to broaden the horizons of what it means to be human, to broaden the horizons of how we connect with God for people who didn't have anything. So you need to like have that in your bones, right? This thing will bring healing to your whole body if you're willing to practice it. So it starts with this, my child, pay attention to what I say. Listen carefully to my words. The words that the writer of Proverbs is using here, it's this word for like sayings. It's this word for other scriptures. That what are the things that the scriptures are saying as a whole and how do you ingest those realities into your life? And when Jesus was asked, what are the greatest commandments? He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself. For these things sum up the whole law. And Proverbs here is saying the same thing, right? It's talking about guarding your heart. It's talking about these different aspects of your being, where your feet are going, what your mouth is saying, right? What your eyes are taking in. It is just kind of piecing together what Jesus will say later and what the whole Old Testament gets to, what the whole New Testament is pushing. And it's this life where you love God and when you are fully connected to God is the place in which you're most fully connected as a human being and that you desperately need other people in your lives, and that to love others is not just to love your family or your friends or those that are like you, but to love others also means that you're participating in this greater mission, that you're participating in the justice of the world. That as uh, a very famous Jewish saying is tikkun olam, that tikkun olam means that you're participating in the repair of the world, that this is what it means to live this Jesus life. It means that you are integrated, that you are whole, so sometimes what happens in the Christian world, or let me say this, sometimes what happened when I was a kid is I was taught this is what it means to be a good Christian. I have quiet time. I think like 30 minutes a day was the proper amount of time. Um, I have to go to church on Sunday morning, definitely on Wednesday nights, and there's certain prayers that I have to say. Um, and what was interesting about that is that that was like the whole of what life was. And then in summers, we obviously like went somewhere across the world to like do missions, um, but we'd never ever talked about the inner cities of our own city right? Too close to home for anybody here? This was the world that I lived in. And what a lot of that feels like for me is like, that's like going to the gym and only doing curls, right? It's like, you're going to look really pretty. You're going to like look pretty nice for other people to see, but you're only flexing one muscle in this whole integrated life that God is giving you. And the thing about doing curls is that is by far not the most important muscle that you have right? It is by far not the thing that the scriptures are talking about as a whole. The scriptures are not interested in you memorizing scripture for scripture's sake, right? And so working out just for the sake of curls is not that practical for your overall health. You're going to look prettier, but it's not the best thing for you. You're far better off like doing squats. Most people aren't staring at your quads unless you have nice high hipster shorts, which many of us do in the summertime. Um, but those muscles are more important, and the scriptures are trying to teach us that. Proverbs is trying to teach us that. What are the full muscles that you're trying to develop? And what's interesting for us is that when we talk about like our, overall, our overall health, the integration of our lives, it's really easy to measure what's going on in the body, right? You can tell if your waist is just getting a little bit too big. You can tell, like, you know, you have that moment, you're like, this shirt felt a little bit more comfortable last month 
You kind of got that thing going on. Uh, you can tell when you've been working out or when you've been eating right. But how do you measure the heart? How do you measure the interior life, the soul, your emotions, your mental health? And yet I think that what Proverbs will lead us to and we'll get there and what the life of Jesus leads us to is we'll look at some passages from Jesus as we go through this proverb, is that there are ways, there are litmus tests for saying, how is my interior life looking? Because what we often can focus on is what's happening in the external world, but the internal world is so incredibly important for us. So, this is you. You look very nice, thank you. Now, around you, there's some things, right, that Jesus is very interested in, these words that you're putting in you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, so your entire being. That heart, soul, mind, and strength is really the Hebrew word for heart. The Hebrew word for heart is not about just your emotions, and it's not about like your cardiovascular system. It's this idea of your soul, of your inner being, of every facet of who you are. It's your interior life. Guard that thing, which is the wellspring, which is the course director, which is the GPS system for the rest of your being, okay? And then you need to love others as you love yourself. This was supposed to be like concentric circles, like a trinity, and I don't know what this is now. So <laughs> pretend you are there. I need to get better at art, apparently. All right, so this is community. You need that, and then you need mission. This is what the sayings are all leading to. These are when you're flexing your bigger muscles, when you're working your back, when you're working your larger quads. Like when you are like working the muscles that are actually gonna do something for your life, this is what's going on here. Your life is getting closer to God in every aspect of your being, right? You are connected to others in community. And we call this particularly in the millennial world purpose, right? We're desperately trying to find our purpose in this generation. Um, and maybe our purpose is found in the mission and justice in serving the world. Um, and so when we put all these things together, that's when our best self kind of shines. So have that in mind that these are things that you need to survive. Actually, let me say this better. These are things that you need to thrive as a human being. We live in a world that is often reactively dealing with things that are coming at us. But the way of Proverbs, the way of Jesus is be proactive about this heart, be proactive about this wellspring of your life, and it's gonna change the way that things look. So this thing is dynamic, it's always moving, right? That's what's really interesting about the way of Jesus is that it's in motion. Have you ever noticed that in the gospels as a whole that Jesus is always going somewhere? He's always on the road, he's always traveling. He's not like sitting by himself, right? Like praying, like finding serenity that he's moving towards things and he's inviting people to come with him, right? Even in the moments of prayer, even in the moments of solitude, it's on a journey somewhere. And that's incredibly important for us again as we're a powerful people group in this world. And generally what happens when civilizations become more powerful is that we get a little bit more lax, a little bit more lazy, and we love entertainment, right? So most of our lives, instead of being active and dynamic and moving, they look like this. Right? This is how we're engaging the world now. Maybe sometimes you swipe right or left depending on where you're at in life, but whatever, right? We all got things to do. 
So even like where we're at technologically, what's going on is that there's not a lot of dynamic movement in our lives. Sometimes where we're at is like the church overall, there's not a lot of dynamic movement that's taking place. And Jesus is always trying to challenge that reality in some way. There's this passage in Matthew 15, which I'm not going to put up, but you can go ahead and read later. And the Pharisees come to Jesus and they're saying to him, here's the deal, your disciples don't wash their hands in the appropriate way before they have meals. And Jesus engages this little dialogue with them about this reality, because they're talking about what's going on up here, and they're talking about a world that's not dynamic, right? They're saying, hey, these are the rules, these are the things that we taught, and these are the things that you need to do. For the Pharisees, they had their own way of life. I already told you what mine were, right? I go to church two or three times a week, I pray, I have my quiet time, and I go on a mission trip once a year, and then I'm set. Um, and then for me, as somebody who's younger, and that gives me full permission to judge the rest of the world. I don't know about you, but that's what gave me permission to do, right? And that's what was going on with the Pharisees at this point. They're saying they don't wash their hands the right way, man. They're not doing quiet time long enough. And Jesus is saying, well, you're kind of missing the point of what's going on in these passages. Because it's not what goes inside of you that matters. It's what's coming out of you, is what Jesus will say. That's what makes you unclean. You're focusing on your bicep curls, but I want you to focus on some bigger realities that are going on in your life. And so when Jesus gets into that passage, he's saying, what comes out of your mouth is extremely important. If you go back to Proverbs 4 here, it's saying this, right? Avoid all perverse talk and stay away from corrupt speech. The word for perverse and corrupt are just words that match up with the other language of kind of what kind of course are you on? Are you deviating with your language? Is there a place in your heart that you're guarding well, that you're putting structures around that allow you to be healthy so that when life comes at you, you're able to deal with these things in a proactive and healthy way? Let me say it this way instead. Lots of times when I'm encountering God, what I want God to do is to change my external world. How many times do we say prayers or hear prayers like that? God, come and fix this external reality. And yet the scriptures are very interested in this. Change my internal perspective so that wherever I go externally, I'm more apt to deal with the reality of change that is taking place in our world. And that's what these scriptures are leading towards. It's not, God, change my external reality. It's, God, guard my heart, change the course of what's going on inside of here, right? That's why when Jesus is asked, where is this kingdom of yours found? He said, it's already within you. Stop looking outside for where this kingdom lies. It's deep within your soul already, right? Within your being, within your heart is what Jesus says. And so when this thing is changed in here, then when the external circumstances hit you, you're able to deal with it in a much better way. So some litmus tests for us are, when our heart is guarded well, when we're living into this interior kingdom that Jesus has, right? When we are flexing bigger muscles because we're living into the reality of God and we have the right people around us and we have some purpose and justice and mission in the world. As we practice those things in the world, then our heart begins to change from when we encounter some of these external realities. So that when that person hurts you, you're not the person now who says, man, let me tell you what they're really about. Let me tell you what's really going on in their life. Oh, they're hitting me up? They're talking about me that way? Let me tell you what they have going on. The Jesus way of things is, oh, that person is messing up your external world? It's all good, man. Right? I can handle the external bombardments that are coming at me. 
I don't have to defend myself for the sake of my insecurities and my pride and my ego because I'm guarding my heart well. So the words that are now coming out of my mouth, right, are no longer participating, right, in the destruction or the breaking down of this world. They're participating in the tikkun olam. They're participating in the repair of this world. So a litmus test for how your heart is being guarded is when things happen to you, what are the things that you're saying about that? For some of you in this room, since we live in California, for many of us in this room, the right president didn't come your way. What are the words that are coming out of our mouth, right, in response to this? We should respond. You should respond when things, right, when you, when you want to talk about justice. Um, but how do we respond to it? Are we, just, are we bringing more destruction in this world? Or are we bringing repair and wholeness and healing to the world, right? Are we not just answering to the world's problems when things don't go our way, but are, are we also speaking out because of the healing that's in our heart for injustices that are taking on? Are we going to the streets when we feel like things are being acquitted that shouldn't be acquitted anymore? The question is, proactively speaking, when people are negative against you and when pain happens in the world, how are you responding both ways? is what the scriptures are interested in. How are the words of your mouth bringing healing and repair and wholeness to a world that is often broken? We say this in here all the time. When you get hurt, are you hurting people because hurt people hurt people? Or when you get hurt, are you transforming people because transformed people transform people? That's the litmus test of your heart. So the Bible's saying, all right, so now if you can focus on the words that are going on in your mouth, now we need to talk about some other areas, going back to the passage. Let's talk about your eyes. Look straight ahead of you and fix your eyes on what lies before you. When you get into the Sermon on the Mount, right, the most famous teaching of Jesus in Matthew 6, he'll talk about this phrase, that your eyes are the lamp of your body. What you're taking in is affecting the reality and perspective that you have for this world. Again, we live in this incredible society where all of the information in the world is right here scrolling before us at our hands. But sometimes we are scrolling through the wrong information of what we need to guard our hearts. A, we're probably just intaking too much on a daily basis, right? We don't need to know all of that. There you go. Preach it, somebody. And the other reality is, are we putting the right things in that we're scrolling through? Are we being exclusive in what we're looking at? Are we being thoughtful about what we're consuming? Because those realities in which we consume will shape us. The places and the ways in which we talk about God will shape us, right? The ways in which we have community. Do you have people in your life that are shaping this integrated whole person in you? When you walk away from your group of friends, are you like, I am alive right now, right? Like something is like humming inside of me. Like I am like radioactive because that was like the best coffee, beer, dinner one could have. Or you're like, man, we were so cynical again. Man, we ripped so many people apart again. Man, we think that we are so much better than everybody else. Man, it's amazing how smart we are and how dumb the rest of them are. Right? It's incredible how smart I am but how judgmental we are to the rest of the world. And that's a challenge for us, right, for the things that we're consuming with our eyes. Maybe one of the things, the realities that we need to think of are the things we're consuming with our eyes is, if you happen to be Republican, watch MSNBC just every now and then. If you happen to be a Democrat, just put Fox News on, all right, every now and then. Wherever you're at, you have a gift in this world of immediate access to somebody who thinks differently than you. 
And that is a gift to shape the interior reality that you have in this world, is there is an opportunity for diversity. And again, that's what Jesus was always doing with his disciples. He was always taking them places that would show them a different kind of world, right? They were experiencing the things that he would say. They were seeing different realities, right? And their feet were always taking them there, which is the last place that we're going. If we get the last part of this passage, which is make out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. The whole of the gospel is Jesus literally moving his feet with his followers and crossing boundaries and going into environments that people didn't go. And so Jesus would say, you wanna know how your heart's gonna be shaped is when you actually know somebody who doesn't look like you. Jesus didn't talk about Samarians. Jesus walked his disciples through Samaria, right? Jesus didn't talk about Gentiles. Jesus would go to a place where there's a Gentile man consumed with a legion of demons, right? Take him to the most like intense God-forsaken places and say, if you can see humanity here, you'll see humanity everywhere. And that's how your heart's going to change. If you're sitting in your room by yourself every day and just praying and doing your quiet time, but your feet are never taking you anywhere for this broader reality of gospel and who you are, then you're really not participating in the wisdom of scripture. And Jesus was a great rabbi. And so Jesus understood the practicality of the wisdom of scripture. So when he's talking about guarding your heart, he's not saying properly rearrange the theological furniture that is going on in your mind. He is saying, get your, I almost said, yeah, okay, get your asses somewhere. Like you gotta move your feet. Yeah, there you go, thank you. Yeah, thanks for a little freedom there. It's true. I learned this week by hanging out with a lot of high school kids that I have a really potty mouth. I need to think about that. I really do. It's unbelievable. There's a lot of times I'd say things to them. I'm like, all right, well, that's cool. Let's just keep going. But you want to take your feet somewhere is what Jesus is teaching you, right? You want to cross boundaries. So our hearts are shaped when our whole lives are whole. Our hearts are shaped when every aspect of our being is integrated and in encountering these broader realities of what God has for us when we're extremely thoughtful about our interactions with this world and what's coming out of us. Let that be a litmus test for you. Think about those relationships that are most difficult for you right now. Is it the Thanksgiving table? Is it when you're at work? Is it the person that you live in the same house with? Is it friendships? Is it the political arena on social media? And what is your response to those things? Are you offering healing and wholeness and transformation in the world? or you're offering more brokenness and more destruction and more pain. And that will tell you how the guarding of your heart is going. And if you're offering more pain in the world, then maybe it's, I need to be around some different people, or maybe if I'm being really destructive with my words, I need to hang out with some different people in the mission of my life that don't look anything like me, and that will reshape my empathy and my kindness and my mercy and a broader understanding of what it means to be human. All right, so maybe that's some practical things that you need to do. Maybe you need to ask yourself, hey, I know I'm consuming a kajillion databytes of information every like, minute because like, I live in 2017 in Los Angeles, but maybe I need to be a little bit more exclusive about what's going inside of me. Maybe I don't need to scroll through every last, like if you come to Facebook and it says you've completed Facebook or something like that, you've gone <laughs> too far, all right? 
maybe like one or two scrolls, that's it. And, like, and maybe it's like a great podcast or something that you need to listen to. Be exclusive, be thoughtful about what you're putting in you. Maybe it's like you put a phone down and you look in another human being's face. This is crazy talk. Um, that's what we did at camp this week, right? We tell all these high school kids they're not allowed to have their phones for a week. And at first they're like, how will I survive? Like it's like an oxygen machine that's like breathing for them. And then they realize the whole time they're like having conversations at tables and they're playing together and they're joking with one another and they forget that they ever had a cell phone in the first place, right? All these little tips that we're talking about practically are like, how do you actually see other human beings, like four human beings, and how do you get your heart into that place, right, where we're removing ourselves from some of the distractions or the judgments or the things that are in our lives and allow our hearts to really thrive and to be open and find freedom. And again, the final reality there again was, how do you take your feet places that shape and transform you? And the easiest way to do that, the reason that the Bible is constantly beating the drum about hanging out with the oppressed and hanging out with the marginalized and hanging out with the widows and the Samaritan story and on and on it goes, is it knows this. The more that you hang out with people that you think are broken and wounded, the sooner that you'll realize you're broken and wounded. And then you'll want more healing in your heart and then you'll offer more healing out of your heart and you'll begin to transform the reality of this world. And so Irene, Irene was a Young Life student that we've had for the last few years. And at the end of Young Life Week Woodleaf Camp, uh, there's these summer staff kids who've given three weeks of their life to work for free at camp. And usually these are kids who were at camp a couple years before. So Irene's one of our students. She went to camp with us last year and she said, I wanna do summer staff this year. So she got all trained up and she's at camp this year with us. And um, you know, she's serving us food. They're working really, really hard for nothing, right? But because something has been transformed in their hearts and their lives. And so at the very end of camp, all the summer staff kids, about like 50 of them come out and they have, they have, they have these little cardboard signs that says where their lives used to be and where their lives are at now that they've encountered and that they're walking with Jesus in this new and profound way. And her sign said, suicidal and hopeless from where she was at before. And it's hard to read that sign knowing I've known this kid for three years and I've been around her enough times, I've seen her Instagram feed enough times to say, I knew you were there. And then she flips her sign and says, looking forward to every day. Because what that camp provides these kids with is simply a reality of orthopraxy is the fancy word. Orthodoxy is, do you have correct teaching? And for the last 200 years in the United States of America in the evangelical church, we've been really convinced that you need to have the correct teaching within you. And what was fascinating is I grew up in a world with a bunch of correct teaching and people were still jerks. So that made no sense to me. You can know the whole Bible and still be a giant jerk, right? Try living the Bible and being a giant jerk. That's a much more challenging thing to do. And so what we provide kids with camp at, right, and it's Neverland, it's not the real world, but it's an opportunity to launch them into the rest of life, is to say, practice this kindness and this community and this mission and this life with God, because we want to give you some space for your heart to be whole, for you to guard it well, so that you can move away from the destruction and the pain of these suicidal thoughts, so you can live to a place where you're thriving every day and you're excited to be awake, because that's what all of us want. So above all else, guard your hearts because your hearts will determine and direct the course of every other aspect of your life. Let's go ahead and answer these questions together as we finish up this morning.
How can you proactively guard your heart? Maybe it's one of the things that we talked about. How can, you actively pro, uh, right? How can you proactively guard your heart? Maybe it's the things that you're consuming. Maybe it's just a litmus test of, hey, you know what? Every time at work and I see my boss, I'm like so apt to go tell Sally what a freaking, you know, this person is. And like, that's a good sign of, there's some things going on here that I really need to own and deal with, right? Maybe it's, you know what? My world is pretty homogenous and pretty uniformed and I need to step out into a broader mission and reality of humanity. Um, whatever it might be for you, what are some proactive ways that you can begin to guard your heart and build yourself up as a more whole and healthy and integrated human being? Find those same groups that you were in before. Enjoy. Again, the diversity of voices that were offered. And for me, as a pastor, the time that I love the most is when I shut my mouth and I listen to the cacophony of noise in this room, of people sharing their stories and hearing how God's spirit and scripture and your life are moving together and when you offer those things back and that we get to hear that from one another. And it's together, not just one mouthpiece, right? Together. We're painting a picture of what this kingdom life, of what this Jesus life, of what this God world should look like. I'm extremely thankful for that. So we come to the table, it's another reminder of that unity. Uh, every week we come, we, we break apart the body that Jesus says, this is my body broken for you. And it's the reality that God stands in solidarity with us as human beings. Stands in solidarity with each of our narratives individually and corporately and says, yeah, it's through the pain. That's where we gotta go. That's how this thing works. Own that pain and own that reality. And that's the way that we're gonna better live in this world. But that, that's never the end of the story, which is great. You gotta go through it and then you take the body and you dip it in the cup and he says, right? And this is my blood for the forgiveness of sins, for a new covenant, for a counter narrative, for a better story, for broader truths, for a more compelling version of who God is. Not the one that's minimized and boxed up and sold to you with lasers and fog machines. You can do what you want with that comment. Um, the point is there's a bigger story of God out there. And that this new story of God, when we go through the pain and we dip it in the cup of this new covenant, is that we're invited now into resurrection. We're invited into joy, into hope, into broader, broader empathy, and into a transformed world. Everyone's invited to the table. If you're a human being, you're good to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.